I'm going to get into this brand new series. The series is called Christmas, and the title of my message is Fight for Peace. Let me pray, and then we'll get into this message. Dear Father, I pray that your will would be done, and we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. I want to start with Luke 2, verses 10 through 14 in the scriptures, and they say, Do not be afraid. Talking about the Christmas announcement. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David is a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is part of the Christmas story. A baby will be born who will bring peace to all of the earth. And when we think of Christmas, we imagine a time of peace, a time of joy, candlelights, carols, baking, presents, a family gathered around the living room, just all the warm fuzzies. But Christmas isn't always a time of peace. Sometimes it's more of a Christ mess than a Christ mess. <laughs> See what I did there? A Christ mess as opposed to a Christ mass. And uh, I was researching for this sermon, and I was looking up strange Christmas traditions, and I think I found the strangest one. It's in this area of Spain called Catalan. I'm not Spanish, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, an area called Catalan. Everybody say Catalan. And uh, this tradition is so weird that you're not going to believe me. I did not want to share this because I thought I might be uh, falling for a hoax. But I looked it up. I looked up a lot of sources, credible ones like Wikipedia. And this is 100% true and more than Wikipedia. But in this area of Spain, there is this tradition called uh, Tia de Nadal or Cacatillo, which is translated as the log of Christmas or the poop log. The poop log. And so every year during the Christmas season, children and families, they gather a log, they hollow out the inside, they give it arms and legs, they give it a face, and it's hollow on the inside, and so throughout the year, they, uh, they feed it candy. The parents do. They feed it candy, and on the 8th of December, yesterday, they all gather around the living room, and the parents say, kids, go into another room and pray that the poop log would poop for you. And so the kids go into the other room, and then the parents fill it with, like, crazy amounts of candy and treats and goodies, and then the kids come back in. They're like, oh, the poop log is filled with poop. It's a Christmas miracle. And then they grab a stick and they sing a song, which is roughly translated, poop log, poop log, if you don't poop, I will beat you with the stick until you do poop. Poop log, poop log, please give me poop. I beat you with the stick so I get some poop. And <laughs> this is a real tradition. <laughs> you can clap for that. <laughs> and so then they beat it with a stick and it poops. Oh, candy. Look it up for yourself if you don't believe me. And so, cockatiel, tio de Nadal. 
<laughs> and I, I think this is kind of appropriate because we like had these ideas of Christmas being perfect, Christmas being peaceful. And the original story of Christmas, though, really is more messy like a poop log than it is clean and cut and organized and just prim and proper. I mean, think about the first Christmas story. I mean, I was imagining this story from the perspective of Joseph, who would raise Jesus as his stepdad. And from Jesus's perspective, or from Joseph's, Joseph's perspective, his fiance, who's a teenage girl, approaches him and says, hey, uh, I want to talk to you. Did you get the addresses from your, your aunt? Because we need to send out wedding invitations. And also, uh, God impregnated me. Uh, oops. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this from the perspective of Joseph, and I'm like, this is not a time of peace. My fiance is pregnant, and she's claiming that God is the father. I would not believe that story from my wife. That'd be so hard. And so they, they go through. He thinks, I'm going to quietly divorce her. And then an angel speaks to Joseph and says, don't do it. He's like, okay. And as it goes on, the king wants to take a census in the area. So he has to then convince his nine-month pregnant wife to get on a donkey and travel to Bethlehem. That would be a difficult conversation. <laughs> Not a time for peace. They get there. They can't find an inn or a hotel to stay at. And so they find uh, like a stable with a manger. Sorry, wife. We're going to have the baby in a barn next to all these animals. And uh, there is no epidural. I am sorry. And if you're having a baby with no epidural, there's not a lot of peace in that area. <laughs> this is the original Christmas story. And then uh, all these strangers start to show up. A shepherd comes in to see a brand new baby. Yeah, bring your sheep here, shepherd. Come see. I've never met you. Come meet my child. Yes, with your, your, your hands filled with sheep poop. Come, join us. Uh, yeah, everybody's, oh, wise men? Yeah, you got strange gifts for my baby? Come on in. Yeah. Oh, you got frankincense and myrrh? Oh, yeah. Myrrh, isn't that what you use to bury dead bodies? Yeah, give it to my baby. Give it to my baby. I love it. It's a time of peace. And then uh, you find out the, the king, King Herod, is like, oh, people are saying this baby is going to be the king of the Jews. All right, I'm going to kill all babies under the age of two. It's the time of peace. And so he kills all these babies, and then Joseph is warned in a dream, hey, escape, go to Egypt. So you just had a brand new baby, and you were born in a manger. But now, hey, take that brand new baby, and we're going on a road trip. Let's travel to Egypt because of a dream. And you're like, wow, this is super messy. And then this is, one, this is probably the most like, non-peaceful part to me. Joseph has this baby, and he's told this dream by God that this baby actually is the Son of God. And it, the scriptures say that Joseph did not consummate his marriage until the baby was born. So imagine that. You are Joseph. You're about to get married. You're so excited to marry Mary. But then... You don't consummate your marriage until like at least nine months later. That would be very hard for me. A lot of awkward silence in here. <laughs> I'm a man. Not afraid to say it. <laughs> you, get, you guys. So Christmas time, it's actually kind of messy. And I, I, I think many of us are feeling like 
the stress already. Like, we, I haven't gone to a party in months, but let's put like five parties just in this one month of December. I, I have an idea. Why don't we get all of our favorite people in one small room? We'll give them hot cocoa, and we'll have them all wear sweaters, and we can just be sweating together. That sounds awesome. Like, all right, I'm going to go shopping, and oh my goodness, going to the Bellevue Square, look at all these crowds. I'm going to willingly go there to go shopping, and you find yourself just anxious and stressed out. Does anybody have trouble finding a parking spot without getting filled with stress? Am I ever going to find a spot? And then you find yourself in a situation where you're like stalking people who are just walking and trying to figure out, are they leaving? Are they coming? Are they parking? Are they leaving? So you see like a mom with the stroller and you're in your car behind her. Okay, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I got to fill up my poop log at home, so I, I got to get this spot. I'm not going to let anybody take it. No way. And you're just aggressive and road rage, and you're trying to get gifts, and you have to go to another party. And then you're like, ah, oh, you're arguing with your spouse. All right, where are we going to go for Christmas? Are we going to, well, you got to be with your family last year. We're going to go with my family this year. Anybody have those arguments in your home? Like, where are we going to go? Oh, how much money did you spend on those gifts? What? We're buying presents for that dumb niece. We don't even like her. Like, are you kidding me? And when it comes to our, our family and our finances and shopping and finding spots and going to parties after parties, I don't know if you're like me, but Christmas does not feel like the most peaceful time of the year. It feels like anxiety and stress, and it can be super difficult. And I think the people of the original Christmas story would relate. And the fact is, all this stress, whether it's during the Christmas season or whether it's in different times of the year, this stress can take a toll on us. Many of us, we have a hard time sleeping at night, which is anxiety and a war going on inside of us. Many of us, we can't take a shower with all these conversations of all these hardships we're going through. Or maybe there's been stress on Christmas related of like things that are happening in your family with sicknesses or you're going through an economic hardship or maybe someone's treating you poorly or maybe you're just in some sort of situation where you're like, I wish I had the peace of God. You know, Isaiah 9, 6 is this, talking about this Christmas story. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And when I read scriptures about peace on earth and how Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, and then I'm in my time of stress and anxiety, when I'm tempted to be filled with fear, I have to ask this question to myself a lot. And it's this, if, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, if Jesus' goal was to bring peace on earth, everyone, did he fail? Because when I look at the news, it does not look like there's a lot of peace. It looks like there's a lot of bickering and arguing. It looks like a lot of oppression. When I, when I look at my life and even the situations my family is facing with health issues and divorces and uh, foreclosures in my family, I, I'm just thinking, like, peace on earth to all men to everybody, uh, 
where's my peace? Peace on earth, the prince of peace? Like, where are you? And so I want to talk about three kinds of peace mentioned in the scriptures. And I believe today will be a comfort for all of us. And the title of my message is Fight for Peace. And because sometimes when it comes to the peace we can experience through God, it is a fight. And I'm going to be talking about eternal peace. I'm going to be talking about internal peace. And I'm going to be talking about external peace. And I pray that this message would be a blessing to you as we talk about the peace of God. So did Jesus fail to bring peace on earth? What kind of peace does the Bible say we can have? So number one, eternal peace or peace with God. And I want to dive into this idea of the prince of peace. What does that mean? Well, sometimes when I try to understand what something means, I think of the opposite. So my mind naturally goes to Xena, warrior, princess. All right? So Jesus is the prince of peace. Xena, warrior, princess. So so just imagine the opposite of Xena. Does anybody know who Xena is? Come on. Does anybody not know who Xena is? Oh, you were missing out on late night, early 90s television. We got Xena. We got Hercules. We got Gabrielle. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger. It was a great time. A great time for sure. Anyways, so the Prince of Peace, this phrase in the original language would be written as Sar Shalom. Everyone say Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. And so Sar is the word where we get like Caesar, which was the, uh, the, the, the person in charge, or a czar, or you might think of like a sergeant, the captain, the leader, the person who is in charge. A, a kingly authority is bestowed upon this person. That's Sar. And then Shalom, it can mean like wholeness, or tranquility, or peace. And so this idea, Prince of Peace, is like, the, the, the person who is in charge of peace. The person who has the authority and the covering to control peace. Sar Shalom. Everyone say it again. Sar Shalom. And so I want you to imagine that it's like there's this covering, and, and this is when you are under the authority of the Prince of Peace, when you're other, under this protection when you're under this like hierarchy, if you want to look at it that way, you will experience peace when you're under his covering. And so that means you don't experience the full peace of God if you are just living by your own covering and your own standards and your own authority. It's when we get under the authority of Christ, the prince of peace, when we say, hey, prince, you can rule you can have your way. You are in charge. You are in control. When we go under that covering, we will experience peace with God, and we will experience eternal peace. Many of us do not have peace in our lives, and we're like, God, where are you? Because we think, I will just live my finances according to my own standards, and my own authority, and then I just expect God to give me peace. Or I, I'm going to, my sexual standards, they are just based off of whatever I feel or whatever culture tells me is okay. I don't have to follow what the Bible says that's outdated. I don't have to follow what Jesus promotes. I don't have to follow what the church promotes. I'm just going to live under my own carving and experience peace. But many of us, as we make these decisions, we realize I don't have peace in my life. When we look at marriages, you know, the rate of divorce is pretty substantial. 
And in some stats, they would say Christian divorces are higher. The rate of divorce for Christians is higher than those who aren't Christian. And it's like, what is happening? Why isn't there peace? God, why aren't you giving me peace? I think we have a generation that says, hey, God, I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to be in charge. But God, why don't I feel peace? Why is there so much anxiety in my life? And I think it's because there's this covering, and we've willingly stepped outside of the covering. You know, I used to be such an angry person. I used to be filled with so much rage. I got in fights all the time. And I thought if I could just punch someone like Randall in the face, I would just feel better. And I know from talking with many of you, you've shared that thought about Randall a lot. I'm just kidding. But I, I, would, I, would, I would be so angry about how I was treated in my home or being bullied at school. and I would just be filled with the stress and anxiety, anything but peace. And I thought I would relieve I would experience peace and relieve stress if I could just be violent, get in a fight, if I could brawl. And, and I would feel this momentary, momentary peace after that, but it would seem like it would double up. And I remember even being such an angry kid, I would take sledgehammers at my house, and I would just destroy all of the, the walls with it. I would take out all, all the sheetrock and doors and windows. I literally destroyed every window in my house as an angry violent child before I knew Jesus. I thought this would bring me peace, but the fact is I wasn't under the covering of God, and so I didn't experience the peace of God because I was living according to my own standards, my own ways. I was my own boss. I was my own God, and I decided after going to a church, I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to submit my heart to God, and I want to let you know, like, a lot of things in my life I had to work out over years, but being a rageful, violent, angry person, that was something in my life that disappeared immediately as they came under the covering of God. And I, I want to read this. Ephesians 2 says this, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And I want to share with you, when it comes to having peace and experience eternal peace, Jesus Christ himself is our peace. Peace is a person. And if you're not experiencing peace in your life, let me ask you this. Are you living under your own authority and your own covering? If you are, let me challenge you and encourage you. Would you give your life to Jesus? When I gave my life to Jesus, when I surrendered to his lordship, I experienced peace and life and joy and a fresh start. And it changed everything about my life, eternal peace. And today, you can experience that kind of peace because peace is a person. It's a peace that saves you. And restores you. It's a peace that lets you know tomorrow can be better. It's a peace that lets you know Jesus is with you. Do you have the peace of God? Peace doesn't come from within, like culture might tell us. Peace doesn't come from within. Peace comes with him. That's good preaching. Peace doesn't come, I'm going to say it again. 
Peace does not come from within. We aren't our own boss. We aren't the masters of the universe. We are not the source of life. Peace doesn't come from within. Peace comes with him. Amen. I love that. Number two, a kind of peace we can experience is this, internal peace. Or sorry, yeah, internal peace. Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Jesus is the prince, the captain, the boss of peace, and he wants to rule in your heart. And I think if you live under his covering, you'll find this. When we, when we say, God, hey, you're in charge, you're in control, so I'm not going to control my own stress anymore. I'm not going to control my own anxiety. I think you'll find this reality. When we place our stress into God's hands, he places his peace into our hearts. And when we say, hey, I don't have to carry this anymore. I don't have to rule over this anymore. I'm not going to make my anxiety my God. I'm not going to make worry my God. In fact, Jesus, you are the prince of peace. So I'm going to let you rule in my heart. Prince of peace, take your throne. Take your place in my heart. Rule. So many of us, it's like, like this hammer, you know. It's a good tool, but many of us are walking through life looking for problems to solve. We're looking for fires to put out. We're looking for hammers to nail in. And we walk around, especially in this time of Christmas, all right, I got to get this meal ready. I got to get this plan. I got to get this party going. I have to talk to this person. All right, I have to be the mediator between these two because they don't get along. Oh my goodness, why is there so much Christmas music? I'm already up to my threshold. I need to turn it off. And we're just like walking around this hammer and we're just trying to like get things down. We're gonna, I'm going to pat this down. We're going to get this issue taken care of. But the thing is, when you carry a hammer, or if you are a hammer, if a hammer is the only tool you have, every problem looks like a nail that needs to be hammered down. And, and that's how many of us live. We're just looking to get things hammered down. I'll solve my family problem. I'll solve my work problem. I'll take it a care. I'll take care of it. Put that weight on my shoulders. I got it. But the thing about a heavy hammer is, yeah, you can hold it, and it's great, and it's a good tool, and we should work hard. But when you got a heavy hammer like this, yeah, you can hold it for like five seconds or 10 seconds or 30 seconds. But some of you have been holding a heavy hammer in front of your life, in front of your family, in front of your work. You've been holding it for years. And you've been carrying this stress and this anxiety. You've been carrying it for years. And you're like, all right, I, if I just hold out a little bit more, if I just take care of my mom a little bit more, okay, if I just make sure there's peace in my family a little bit more, okay, if I can just make a little bit more money, then I'll finally have peace in my home. Then things will finally be okay. And you've been holding this hammer out, which started off as a great tool, but now it's a burden that's weighing you down. It's an anxiety that's keeping you up at night. It's a pain that is just swarming your heart and your thought, and you come on a Sunday morning, and let's be real, your heart is heavy with the weight of the world. And I just want to let you know, Jesus Christ wants to rule in your heart. He doesn't want you to carry these anxieties alone anymore. When we hand over our stress 
He places his peace in our heart. And when Jesus came as a baby, peace on earth to all men, as we get under his covering and then we decide to say, hey, this isn't my problem alone. I'm going to cast my cares on God and I'm going to let him take care of me. I totally believe that you will experience more peace in your life. But some of us, we need to let go of our anxieties and let God rule in our hearts. We need to take the crown off of our head and say, you are the Prince of Peace. It's not my responsibility to solve every single problem around me. I can't carry this weight all by myself. And we just need to let go. Stop making plans for things that might never pass. Stop making plans for worries that might never come true. You know, we don't know who, we don't know what the future holds. And many of us, like, are stressed about it. But we do know who holds the future. Amen. And it's Jesus Christ. It's the Prince of Peace. It's the Prince of Peace. And I want to challenge you. Don't do life alone. Let Christ rule in your hearts. You can choose to worry or you can choose to worship. And when we trust God, when we hand in our worst and he gives us his best, I want to let you know that is worship. He loves it. We're telling God you are worth it. You are a prince. I trust you with my heart. Amen. And the third kind of peace I want to talk about is an external peace. An external peace. So in Colossians we read, it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. And then it goes on to say, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so we are members of one body. We are called to live in peace with one another. Philippians 4 says it like this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Hey, I'm reasonable. <laughs> Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Someone needs to post that on your social media today. I am reasonable. Everybody, listen. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You don't have to hold on to it yourself. Give it to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a comforting scripture? When we're going through stress, anxiety, and worry, we hand over our stress to God. And peace that surpasses our intellect, peace that does not make sense when you look at the situation around you, peace that surpasses human understanding, human wisdom, human everything will just envelop our heart and our mind and our thoughts. Some of us today, we need a peace that surpasses understanding. You know, a lot of times, the keys to peace, we put in somebody else's pocket. And they, they hold us hostage. I will experience peace if this person just behaves right. I'll experience peace if this person would pay attention to me or do the right things or behave correctly or if my job does what they're supposed to be. And we, we put the keys to peace in somebody else's pocket. You know, uh, in May, I was shopping with Amritha. Or actually, no, we were on a date night. And we went to the Lincoln Square lodge parking garage across the way by the tavern and by cactus and 
We're driving our Honda. Actually, we weren't driving our Honda Element. We had decided to switch our Honda Element with uh, the Jennings Cobalt car, which has no turning radius. It's the worst turning. It should be illegal. And so we're driving up this parking garage, and we see a spot open right around the corner. But the thing is, we cannot just turn into it because of the lack of turning radius. So as you know, if you've ever driven by that area in the lodge across the street, there's like one way of traffic. And so if one person stops to park, it blocks everybody. Well, this guy behind us, he sees that I'm trying to get into the spot. Actually, Amrita's driving, and she backs up. She doesn't want to hit him. So I get out to make sure there's enough room, and she has to turn like 17 times just to get the angle right because of this cobalt. And finally, we're about to get in, but then this guy gets really angry because we're holding up the whole line, and he drives up to the car, so now Amrita can't back up the car anymore. And so we're stuck. We can't move forward, and we can't go backwards. And so I, I start talking to the guy. I'm like, hey, hey, we, we don't want to be in the way. We want to park but now you're in the way, and so we can't, we can't help you, so would you just move out of the way? Well, he starts honking his horn, and he starts yelling in his car. There's a, a woman with him, and she's so embarrassed, and he starts yelling and yelling, and finally he gets out of the car, and he's like, move, or I will move you. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And he's been honking and yelling, and now there's a whole crowd around us watching to see a fight. And uh, he comes up, and he gets in my face. And he's, like, jacked. And he's, like, trying to impress this girl. He's so angry. Move, or I'll move you. And he gets in my face, and he's like, move. Get out of the way. I'm like, I want to. <laughs> I, this is not my goal. Like, this was not in my checklist. I did not journal about this this morning. Hey, today, I'm going to stop traffic in a parking garage. It's going to be awesome. No, I want to move, dude. He's like, move. And he's just not reasonable. And I'm, like, trying to tell him, I am reasonable. Like, he won't listen to it. He won't listen to it. Boom, I'll move you. And then he, I think he gives up. A rage just takes over. And he looks at me, and he just goes, ah! nose to nose touching. It's like a, a butterfly kiss or an Eskimo kiss or whatever. I don't know how he's kissing me, but it's happening. Ah! And then he, he goes back into his car. I'm like, what is going on? He backs up a little bit. I'm trying to guide Amrita. And then he revs up his engine, and he drives his car, and he runs into me. He hits me with his car. And people around us are taking pictures. There's videos. You can see it. I did not take this picture. Someone I know did not take this picture. A stranger saw this guy. He backs up, and then he hits me. I fall in the car, and then Mama Bear Amrita comes up. She's like, are you kidding me? Oh, no, you did Are you kidding me? Oh! Oh! Oh, no, you didn't! No, she didn't. No, no, I will cut you! Mama Bear comes up. And he drives away, but people come, the, the police come, and I wanted to hit this guy so bad when he was yelling me in the face. But I just felt like, you know what? The peace of God isn't just the calm after the storm. The peace of God is the calm in the storm. Oh, Jesus, help. Oh, Jesus, help me. I want to hit him. And the thing I didn't realize is that people around me, people I had never met, 
were watching and they had seen that there was a scene going on with the pastor, pastors of Kalos Church. And non-Christians and Christians from other churches were watching to see if we practice what we preach. Isn't that crazy? And they came up after and they said, hey, we've seen your advertisements and we would love to visit Kalos Church now. I can't believe you didn't punch him in the face. <laughs> because I totally would have. But that's the reality, isn't it? The peace of God, this external peace. Is it just peace or calm after the storm? It's peace in the storm. And so as we celebrate the season of Christmas, I want you to know that you can decide your vibe. You can decide your peace. As you are tempted to panic and freak out and have anxiety, decide your vibe. Say, Christ, you are the, the king. You are the prince of peace. So would you come and rule my heart? And then I'm going to show to everyone I am reasonable. I have the peace of God in my heart. My vibe is Christ. My vibe is the peace of Christ. And so some practical ways for how I do this is, number one, when I'm dealing with anxiety and stress, I'm going to go through this real quick, is number one, I, I decide I'm going to cast my care on the Lord. And how I do this is I literally journal out all my negative emotions. I write it down because for me, I'm a thinker, and if I have negative thoughts in my head, they just bounce around forever. They just bounce and bounce. So for me to take these non-tangible thoughts and make them tangible, I hate this, blah, 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 in my journal, I, it just helps me let go of it. I cast my cares. So I encourage you, journal out your negative thoughts. Cast your cares on the Lord. Pray out your negative thoughts. Number two, I give thanks. You know, I, I thank the Lord for all that I have. When someone's bothering me, situations bother me, I think about all the Lord has done for me, all the patience the Lord and people have shown me. I'd encourage you, make a grateful board in your house where you write down all the things you're thankful for. Get a jar where every time something good happens in your life, Make a post-it note and write down what you're thankful for and just put it in that jar. When you're going through a hard time, you can pull out those things. Oh, I remember when, the God, when God did this, and if God did it back then, he can do it again. Number three, I, I determine how I want to respond in advance. You know, before that, I got hit by a car. <laughs> I, uh, I thought, you know, if someone wants to fight me, I know I'm a violent person. Remember, I used to take sledgehammers and destroy things in my house. I got in fights in school all the time. Next time someone wants to fight me, I'm just going to pause and I'm going to determine how I'm going to respond. And I know I'm not going to punch. I made that decision before the moment. Some of you are about to go into stressful Christmas situations. Determine now how you want to respond. And number four, I just try to pause before responding. Someone gets on my nerves, take a moment. Someone's trying to get me to panic and freak out about a situation, don't let them control you. Don't put the keys to your piece in someone else's pocket. I'll pause. I'll take a moment. And I, I believe that that can be your reality. So the Prince of Peace, amen? Prince of Peace. A peace that rules in our heart. A peace that surpasses understanding. So if you get hit by someone's car as you are walking, remember this verse. And let me leave you with this verse before I pray. John 14, 27 says this, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus has given us the gift of peace. Dear Father, thank you so much for your work. And I pray that we would experience your peace, that we would come under your covering as the Prince of Peace.
that we wouldn't live by our ways and our standards. We would think we can do whatever we want and experience peace, but Lord, no, we submit to you and your ways. We surrender, Jesus. We surrender. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. I just encourage you in this moment, let go. Let go and let God. Let go. Hand over your peace. Place your stress into his hands and let him put the peace of God into your hearts. You know, before I transition, why don't you look at me again? I realize there are people here, maybe you've never given your life to God. And I I think just submitting to God, saying, God, I'm not going to be my own boss. I'm going to follow you. It's the best decision you could ever make. And I would love to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you up. I'm just going to have you raise your hand and pray. But if that's you in this place, I'd love to pray for you. So let's close our heads or close our eyes and and bow our heads again. And if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe as a recommitment or for the first time. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. You're saying, I want to surrender to God. Pastor Pradeep, would you pray for me? Awesome. Open your eyes and let's pray this prayer together going to be on the screen. It's not a magic spell, but maybe some words to articulate what you're feeling. So let's pray this all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Amen. Well, peace. May the peace of Christ be with you.